for me in Adventist. Lord, we pray that you'd be with Pastor Tony as he brings your word this morning. May his words not be his, but be yours. We love you.
don't know about you, but I am moved by the power of mercy. Mercy has been defined as compassion, having compassion or forgiveness. And, and really what it is, it's one's power to punish or to harm. I am powerfully moved by this power of mercy. But yet I'm even more moved by a component, a dynamic that is this deeper than mercy, that takes you to the very next step after mercy, and that is the power of grace. Grace has been defined not as the created substance that comes at the hands of man, but it is, it is that what God desires for all of mankind, for every one of us to have it, not because of anything that we have done at all. It is a grace that I am moved by that, that comes to us from a God that loves us, a God that is gracious, and a God that is merciful, and a God that pours His love out upon His people. And no matter who you are, and no matter what you've been through, and no matter your brokenness, and no matter your deep sin, no matter what's happened in your life, ladies and gentlemen, we enjoy the powerful grace of God. Amen. And I am moved by that. I'm moved by the act of mercy. I, I love the story that one man tells about his experience as a little boy. And he talks about being on a, a team of eight-year-olds. So you have to get this, this in your mind. The idea is this, this team of eight-year-old Little League baseball players. And he, he talks about his dad. He says, years ago when my father coached a team of eight-year-olds, he had a few excellent players and some who just didn't get the hang of the game. Dad's team didn't win once all season long. But in the last inning of the last game, when the team was only down by one and there was two outs already, he allowed a little boy that had never been able to play in a game yet to play, a little boy that had never hit the ball, a little boy that had never ever caught a ball in his entire life, allowed him to go up to bat last inning, two outs. And he surprised the world for this little boy hit a single, and he made it on base. Well, after the little boy had batted his single and made it to first base, then the team slugger was up to bat. It was his turn, and the team slugger went up to the plate, and lo and behold, the slugger, he made contact. He hit the ball. It was a line drive. And the little boy that had hit the single was running to second. And not understanding the rules of the game clearly enough, he just saw the ball coming towards him. So the little boy that was running the second did what seemed natural to him is he went up and he caught the ball with his bare hands right here, making the very last out for his own team. But the, uh, the man that tells the story says, I immediately remember my dad turning there in the dugout and saying to the team, cheer, cheer, everybody cheer. And they cheered, and they went out and carried the little boy off the field, and he just lit up, and he was bright. You see, to the little boy, he did not know whether, you know, he did not know whether it was right or wrong to catch that ball. All he knew is that he hit his first base hit, and he caught his very first ball. <laughs> the power of, of mercy, the power of the grace of God. My, my sweeping statement this morning is this. We receive mercy, listen now, we receive mercy because of the abundant grace that God pours out upon us. Amen. Someone wants to find grace as unmerited favor, you know, getting what you do not deserve, while mercy is not getting the punishment that you do deserve. So we know that God in His abundant mercy and grace and the, the greatest act of all grace is that of salvation. For it is by grace that we're saved by faith and not ourselves, but it is a gift of God. 
And so we understand that the grace of God comes to us as a gift to man. In fact, the, the inventory that we take this morning is that there is this gift that is promised to us and it is promised not because of what we have done or promised to us because we deserve it. It is promised to us because God loves us just as we are. Amen. He loves us just as we are. That is the gift of eternal life. It is the gift of salvation, and we enjoy that. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, looking at verse 12, go with me today. Go to Ephesians chapter 1, looking at verse 12, and down through verse 14, we kind of see layers of this truth unfold before us as we enjoy and understand the grace of God this morning. So let's look at that. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 12, let's look at that together this morning. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. Notice that. For the praise of His glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word this morning. I thank you, Father in heaven, for the revelation of of who you are and, and your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, and the grace that is sufficient for mankind. And Father, today we just are humbled by that. We, we thank you, Father, for, Lord, the gift of eternity and salvation. And we thank you, Father, for the peace that is ours as we become a part of of your kingdom. And so, Lord, I just pray that your blessing would be upon this word, that you would honor this word, and it would not return void as we read the word of God together. So, Father, thank you for the hearing this morning of your written word. And so now, Lord, we open our hearts to you. We receive you, Father. We thank you, God, for speaking to us. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name, and everyone said, Amen. So in context here, we take a moment and we understand there's the, the purpose. In fact, if we look at, again, the layers that we see in our verse this morning, we have the purpose that is kind of a revelation of, of course, God's will, His plan. Then we have the seal, so follow me categorically. Then we have the seal, and then, of course, finally we have the effect that God reveals to us when the Holy Spirit comes upon the individual. So in context, we have the purpose, the purpose of creation that we were created to bring glory to the Father. In fact, we see that to praise. The very last verse, it says, to praise, to the praise of His glory. So that in creation we are bringing glory to the Father due the abundance, mercy, and the grace that God has poured out upon us. And we enjoy that favor this morning. Amen. Then there is the will of God, which is to bring unity to every living thing together under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. God wills that we are united. God wills that we are renewed in our spirit. God wills that as in every living creature and being, that we have a spirit of peace and a spirit of unity by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us. And we enjoy that pleasure this morning. How many agree with that today? Say amen. 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 We enjoy the pleasure of God's grace. I think we miss that sometimes. I think sometimes it looks like we come to church having just sucked on a lemon. That's not the glory of the grace of God. If we believe in the glory and the grace and the presence of God and the Spirit of God in our life, come and let your faith know it. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So we enjoy. It is our pleasure that God wills for the unity and the peace of all living beings. We have the plan of God. That is the second part that we see in the layer here. It is the plan of God. What is the plan of God? What is the plan of God? The plan of God is that it is His will for every man, for every grandpa, for every grandma, for every son and every daughter and every child enjoy the grace of God in His plan and for their lives, for our lives. So the plan is that all man enjoy His grace, amen, that is sealed by what? It is sealed by the Holy Spirit. It is sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm wondering this morning, I'm wondering this morning, what is, what is the role of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the grace of God? I mean, think about that. I mean, let it roll around for just a little bit. As you think about the grace of God that, that is unmerited favor, remember that is how we define the grace of God is unmerited favor. Then I ask the question that my mind is thinking is what is the role of the Holy Spirit as we enjoy the grace of God and, and the mercy of God with, within our lives? Now note, hearing and then believing happens first as we look again the layers that the, the passage shows us in our text this morning, that hearing and believing happens first. And then, and then we jump to the key there in verse 13. Look at that for a moment. In verse 13 it says that you were marked in Him, that is Jesus Christ, with the seal. And who is the seal, remember? Who is the seal? The seal is the Holy Spirit. Amen. The seal is the Holy Spirit. And so we are marked with the seal, which is the Holy Spirit. And this is Paul's, this is Paul's praise section. In fact, it's a little bit you know, different than the rest of his writings and letters. But it is in this place where he parenthetically is really saying, I've experienced this. We're talking about the seal of the Holy Spirit. And if it's the seal of the Holy Spirit we need, we look at the life of Paul, and he is saying here in this passage, in essence, I have experienced this. I've experienced the presence of the Holy Spirit. I've experienced the conviction of sin. Remember on the road to Damascus, and he was blinded by the light, and Jesus reveals himself. Paul is saying, I have experienced this. I'm wondering if you could stand and say that this morning. I'm wondering if you could say in your own life that, yeah, I have experienced this. This is the will. It's the plan of the Father. It is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And hallelujah, I have experienced this. So this is the seal. So so what do we find here? We find this revelation. Then with the seal, there is then, of course, the effect, which is the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, which comes in what? The fruit of the Spirit. Now we have the fruit of the Spirit, of course, the love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering and the, the kindness and all those things that are the fruit of the Spirit. Why? Because of the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when there's the seal of the Holy Spirit, then we enjoy, again, our pleasure, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit then becomes evident. And it becomes a part of our DNA. And it becomes a part of our personality. Why? Because we've experienced the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Now then, after the fruit of the Spirit, then there is a witness of the Spirit. Follow me now. Are we together? Then there is a witness of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and we have the fruit of the Spirit, then all of a sudden there is this witness of the Spirit, and we become a witness for Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sorry. If I get excited about this a little bit, forgive me, because when the Holy Spirit is in your life, it transforms you. It changes you, and it makes you different. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Amen. We're having fun today, aren't we? In the power of the Holy Spirit. The witness of the Holy Spirit. I go to the beginning of the New Testament church in Acts. In Acts, what, what happened there in Jerusalem? They were endowed with power. Why were they endowed with power? Why were they endowed with power? To be a witness. To be a witness. They were given power to witness. And I guess the question is, how's our witness? Amen. <laughs> That's like saying sick to a bulldog. I mean, I'm all right with that. Uh, how is your witness? I mean, if we, we are saying that we have the seal of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we cannot remember the last time that we were a witness for Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about some neutral, mystical way where, well, if I just live a certain way, then maybe it will rub off by, what is that called? Kenosis, or what's it called? Osmosis. That'll just rub off by osmosis because, you know, I'm just thinking it all the time. They were given power by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, we're getting ready for this friend day that's coming up. The enemy would not want us to be a witness. The enemy would not want us to have the seal of the Holy Spirit on our life that empowers us to be bold when we would naturally, in our personal personality, in the normal state of things, we would not be a witness. But you see, when we're sealed by the Holy Spirit, we can be this witness for the glory of God. And we can share Jesus Christ, or at least in the very least, we can invite them to come where they might meet Jesus Christ for the very first time. And so in this, this plan, again, God's will and God's plan... We become this witness, hallelujah, for God's glory. And so that's part of the mark. In fact, John Wesley, also in his work in Plain Account of Christian Perfection, he seems to refer to the seal and the effect, and, and that's, that's important because there's the seal of the Holy Spirit and then there's the effect of that seal in our lives. And, and he refers to that, at least indirectly, about, about that truth. And that, that result in our life. So we have the seal, which is the fullness of hope, which passes human understanding. That's how I define it here in my notes. And when there is a lack of the fullness of hope, then we lose hope. And when we lose hope, ladies and gentlemen, life becomes like, well, it becomes like that sucking noise when you pull the plug in the tub and the water gets down low and all of a sudden it starts going... You know that sucking noise? Because, you know, it's imminent. It's going down. And life is like that. Without the fullness of the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life, there's just that sucking sound that is left. And life is empty. Is it any wonder that you see again and again in the the news, in the media, in the headlines, how people have everything, fame and fortune, and they kill themselves? Because their life is that sucking sound. It's that sucking sound. Life is empty, you see, without the fullness of the joy and the hope that we have that is in Jesus Christ. And it says it's beyond human understanding. It's beyond human understanding. And and without that hope, there's the creditors, there's guilt in life, there's maybe the nagging spouse. I probably shouldn't have said that. But, you know, you see, without hope, everything else weighs down upon us And it begins to absolutely affect our life and hurt our life. 
You see the seal. No one can steal your assurance and joy in Christ. Amen. No one can steal that. No one can take that from us, believer. Amen. And then what do we have? Now bear with me. Bear with me here. Then you have the effect. It is the effect of the seal of the Holy Spirit. And that is because of the grace of God. And let me say it like this. And I want to read it because I do not want to get this wrong. Because of grace or because grace has been received, Christian, because grace has been received, then grace has been given. Because grace has been received, grace has been given. You see, if we are a receiver of grace and, and we enjoy that grace, it is our pleasure, then we become gracious people. Then we become grateful, gracious people and we show grace and we show mercy and we live that Christian life, and it's easy to live the Christian life because of why? The seal of the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Spirit, and now all of a sudden we are able to be gracious because grace has been received. This reminds me of the parable of the unmerited servant. And I want to look at that. Go to Matthew chapter 18 if you have God's Word with you today. And uh, if not, maybe we can find it in the back there. But Matthew chapter 18, and I'm going to go to uh, verse 21. Let's pick up at verse 21. And I'm going to read this for you because this is really the very best illustration that I could find. I believe it illustrates what I'm trying to say when I say because grace has been received, grace has been given. So follow me as I look at Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. And I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found out, or he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servants, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. If our sweeping statement is that we receive mercy... Because of God's abundant grace, should we not be gracious? Should we not be giving to others and forgiving to others because of of, of the grace of God that we have received and it's an abundant grace and beyond our our imagination? And I understand it's it's, it's easy to get what it is that we think we need. But, But how good are we at giving to others what it is that they need? 
are we doing? <laughs> you guys are great. I love it. You, you, how well are we doing? Seriously. At, at giving this grace and, and showing this grace and bestowing this grace. My theological axiom, self-evident truth, my theological axiom is we will not experience the full blessing of God's abundant grace. You catch that? We will not experience the full blessing of God's abundant grace until we are willing to show mercy ourselves. Until we are willing to show grace ourselves and be gracious to others and recognize that grace that comes to us through our Savior, Jesus Christ. I, I guess, in essence, what I'm saying this, why I'm saying this this morning, church, is because life is too short to hold a grudge. It's too short to hold a grudge. It's too short to get caught up in the petty things of life. It's too short to allow schisms and divisions and and, and frustrations and all the little things the enemy wants us to hold in front of us rather than the cross of Christ in front of us. Life is too short to have a grudge. I'm wondering, do you have have a memory? And I'm I'm really not even sure. I left my my message open-ended here, so I have no cute story. I I just know this. I just want to ask this. Can, Can you remember... When somebody showed you mercy? Can, can you remember when somebody gave you grace and maybe it was a second chance husband that your wife gave you? Or maybe it's a job that you had and you really messed up and they, they showed you grace. They gave you another chance. Amen. Can you remember a time when someone really showed you mercy this morning? Can you remember that? That God, through somebody showed you grace. I'm wondering if there would be maybe one or two of you that would just stand real loud and say, I was shown grace one time because such and such. You can keep it general or specific. Somebody stand and say, I remember when I was shown grace. And let's just praise the Lord that way. Somebody do that. Would you be bold enough? When were you shown grace? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody you show somebody showed you grace. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Somebody else stand. Can you remember when you're showing grace? Just a real quick scenario. Somebody else. Amen. Somebody else. Amen. The enemy don't want us to claim this at all this morning. Somebody stand right there where you're at. I remember God showed me grace. Joshua Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Somebody else. Somebody else. Amen. Hallelujah. God showed me grace. Somebody else. When did God show you grace? Somebody else. Real quick. When did God show you grace? Amen. Somebody else. One more. Just one more. And we're going to have communion. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God is a gracious God, and He deserves our recognition and our honor and our love this morning. I want to invite our servers to come forward today as we're going to participate in Holy Communion.
And you know, I think we kind of maybe got riled up a little bit and enjoying the truth of God and His Word, the seal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's okay. But let's just take a moment this morning as we prepare our hearts to respectfully just direct all of that, all of that thinking, all of those emotions, all of the thoughts that we've had today, all the excitement. Maybe some of us or maybe one of you have come here today and you've been down. You've been out just a little bit. It seems like you've just been on track. You've been off track. And you're just needing to get back on track again.